God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Greater love has no one than this than a man would lay down his life for a friend. that type of unconditional love that we've been singing about that's unexplainable yet it is unconditional it's his his love heavenly father we thank you because that definitely at least somewhat captures who you are what you mean to and toward us Lord, that you would do and that you would go so far for a sinner like me who doesn't deserve it. And God, we just want to say thank you. Whatever our testimony is, God, as we zero in on that, we know that whatever we have become, However far we have progressed, however we now are changed because we've been touched, we are healed. We know that is because of your unexplainable, unconditional love. And so God, thank you. Thank you for just being you, God. You are God and God all by yourself. I'm, I'm so happy, Lord, that who you are is not predicated on who I am. Lord, that you do not need me or my response to be good. Thank you, God, that who you are is not dependent upon what culture and society says that you should be. For you need no affirmation from man, Lord, to, to be who you are. For you are faithful. When the world is faithless, you are strong. When the world is weak, you are very present. Even when it appears to be absent, God, you, you are God and God alone. And I pray, God, that we just continue to, to focus in on who you are, knowing, Lord, that if we concentrate on you and if we remain in your presence, many of the things, Lord, that seem to overwhelm us, they will ultimately and utterly fail. And so help us, God, to fix our attention on you. In our valley experiences, God, help us to look to the hills from whence come our help, knowing that our help comes from you. Now, God, in this time, Lord, that we open up your word, our simple prayer, Lord, is this. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, I pray that it is acceptable in your sight, for, Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. And it is in your name that we humbly say amen.
Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Well, good morning to you, brothers and sisters. Um, to our guests who are here, my name is Jamil Armstrong, and I uh, happen to be one of the pastors here, and so we're so glad to have you here. Uh, during our time, if you did not receive one of our communication cards, uh, make sure uh, you let uh, one of our greeters know they'll get that to you. That's just a way for us to stay uh, connected to you, just to let you know, number one, we appreciate uh, you coming out and worshiping with us today, and secondly, uh, we would love to bombard you with spam and various emails trying to sell you Bibles and all types of things and um, miracle spring water and uh, no, I'm just joking, just joking, just joking, just to stay in contact with you, uh, just to know how much we appreciate you uh, coming out today. Uh, brothers and sisters, we are in the fourth week of our series entitled Basics of Belief, where we begin to just um, kind of reflect on some of the things that we've learned previously. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, for some of you, this may be uh, a bit of a refresher. And I understand sometimes, but uh, there are times where we need to refresh and remember. One of the things the enemy capitalizes on is that we forget. And, um, and sometimes you just have to be reminded of who God is. Uh, in this daily life so that we can move forward. And then for some of you, this may be an introduction. And so I pray that you, um, that you hear and that God uh, gives you the capacity to receive what he wants to say to you. Uh, this series that we are in is focused on uh, our birth out of one particular verse, and it's our memory verse for this six-week series. And we're going to bring that up, and, and I want us to read it together collectively, and, uh, and then we'll move forward. Uh, this comes from Revelation 12, verse 11, um, and kind of in the middle of the verse, and this is what you'll find. Come on, let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. They... Amen, amen. And so this is what we're going to be doing. We're, we're talking about what this means to us uh, as we progress through it. Uh, within that, in a couple of weeks, Matt mentioned we're going to have our testimony service. Now, here's the thing about testimonies, man. Testimonies are good because what happens also, not only do we have to take some time and reflect because we oftentimes we forget, uh, but there's also this case where we feel like we are in this alone. And what testimonies allow us to do is for us to know that there are people that you are sitting next to each and every week who possibly have something similar or a similar struggle going on in their life. And there are many of you who come here week after week. You've been suffering in silence. And you've been thinking that it's just you. So as we're talking about this testimony service, please don't think or be tricked into believing that the idea is for you to get up on that Sunday and testify that everything is all right, that, you know, you met Jesus and everything worked out, you are problem-free, and you're going to glide to glory, and life is just awesome. Like, that is not the testimony. If that's your testimony, glory be to God, I'm going to sit next to you and pray that some of what you got rubs off on me. However... We want you to be real because if we are vulnerable with one another, then we are strengthened by that. So we hope that you come, and, uh, and more importantly, we hope that you share, that you share with one another. I mean, our stories strengthen us in sharing, and sharing a life will, uh, will help to strengthen us in that process. And so uh, my, my task for today is to talk about uh, a subject called sanctification. 
and, um, and uh, our, our good friend, Pastor William Blackford, lightly mentioned this in our anniversary service a few weeks back. And, um, and I'm, I'm not going to just spend time kind of unpacking the idea of sanctification. I want to uh, bring and highlight before you uh, a conversation from a mentor to his mentee. Uh, as he is encouraging him to, uh, to live this life, to progress through so. But before we do, we want to give you just a little bit of foundation about what sanctification is. Let's, let's define this real quickly. Sanctification, real quickly defined as this, becoming more like Jesus and more free from the power of sin. I mean, that's probably the simplest definition that we could come up with. Becoming more like Jesus, the more like Jesus that you uh, become, then the more free you become from the power of sin, which means this. Some of us, when we come to Christ, the expectation or what we may have heard is that once you are saved, you come to Christ, then you become sin-free automatically, and we feel condemned because there are things that we still battle with, that we struggle with. Or, be honest, some of us have some things we ain't even struggling. We just like it. Yeah, and so we feel condemned by that at times. What sanctification teaches us, this process is this. It is indeed a process. And so salvation is immediate. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But sanctification is a process. It's the process that we go through to become more and more like Jesus. And here's the thing, in case you were wondering. Um, sanctification is not complete until we leave this earth. And so we will forever, as long as we are on this planet, be in process. It will not be complete until the day that we see Jesus. And at that point, it's this process called glorification, which we won't get into that today. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, let's do this. Let's open them up to 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 11, going through verse 16. And um, this is a man, good conversation, uh, a letter from Paul to his mentee, Timothy. And uh, this is what you'll find. You can read along with me on the screen. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and the only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Amen. The, um, the life of an oyster is an irritating existence. If you're not familiar with it, day in and day out, an oyster has this issue that they deal with. Basically what happens is an irritation is caused by foreign particles that found their way inside the oyster's shell. So every day, an oyster is irritated because of these foreign particles, and he shakes the particles off and covers them with another material, and there is how a pearl is made. The life of a believer is an irritating existence. 
day in and day out in order to protect ourselves from the irritation of foreign parties, seeing that we are in this world but not of this world, in an effort to ensure our own personal and spiritual growth, the believer will begin to cover themselves with spiritual practice. This process is how sanctification begins. The life of a believer is about receiving and experiencing foreign things, things that come to distract us from connecting to Christ, and we have to have the ability to shake it off so that we can move forward as we go. As I read the words of Paul, this is what Paul is speaking to his mentee, Timothy. I consider the believer, and this imagery is closely related. Paul is coaching Timothy to stand firm in the midst of external distractions and annoyances and encouraging him to fight the good fight. And the power to fight the good fight lies within the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul is teaching Timothy. And he is encouraging Timothy to hold tight to what you believe. Now, keep in mind what Timothy is experiencing as he is pastoring in Ephesus. And this is how bad Ephesus is. Paul, Paul once testified, and he says this, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. And keep in mind... He's not talking about dinosaurs or Paul wasn't on a safari. You know, no, Paul's talking about the environment at Ephesus. And so Paul is speaking to Timothy because he's recognizing that it's a wild existence where he is. And so he's telling and teaching Timothy that in Ephesus, you've got to learn how to hold tight to what you believe because there are annoyances and distractions. There are issues and there is false teaching going around and meaningless fighting and an unhealthy pursuit of money and things that was present in Ephesus. As a matter of fact, uh, in this chapter, is one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture uh, you'll find in 1 Timothy chapter 6. You've probably heard it. Uh, we quote it like this, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah, that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds or sorts of evil. That's what Paul is teaching. Paul is teaching Timothy that because that was the pursuit of many of the people within Ephesus where Timothy was ministering and pastoring. And then there's verse 11 where we see these two powerful words as Paul speaks to Timothy from verses 1 through 10, letting him know the environment in which Timothy is living. And then he just says these words, but you. Now, as I was considering this, and listening to Paul talk to Timothy, in my mind, I imagine and envision Paul taking the stance or the position of perhaps a paternal figure in Timothy's life, like a, a parental figure. You know, you, you remember those speeches that you got from your parents? Maybe you give them now. I thought that, that Paul's tone was similar to that of a father speaking to his son. You know, those speeches, those, those, those long, long so long spills that you have to get from your parents. You know how they go, man. They, they want to tell you what you need to do. And there, there's some classic lines that we've all heard, right? Let me give you a couple of them. Um, you, you may remember. I, I don't care what everybody else is doing. Just, you know, this is what I'm telling, telling you to do. Or, 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 or. Now, if everybody else jumped off the bridge, would you do the same thing, right? 
right, you know, you know those classic speeches. I, I imagine that Paul is speaking to Timothy in a similar language. He's saying, listen, here's what's taking place in Ephesus. There's false teaching. There are people who are working to, uh, to promote themselves. There's this environment where money is the pursuit and prosperity. But Paul says, but I don't care what none of them other folk are doing, but you, Timothy, here is my expectation of you. And he's saying, listen, I know that there people are, are abandoning the gospel for their own self-servicing purposes. And I know, Tim, that people challenge you regarding the scripture, saying, hey, the Bible is old. It's antiquated. It was written by man. It truly has no authority. I mean, it was years after Jesus had died and they wrote this stuff. How do we know that they got anything right? How do we know that this really came from those individuals and all these stories and tales that have been going on since the very beginning of the church. This is what Timothy was facing pretty early in the game. And Paul, as a father, a father speaking to his son in the ministry, says, Timothy, I know all of that is happening, but you, here is my hopes and my expectation of you, but you, woman of God, man of God, Paul says, flee from all of this. Did you know, man, the Bible doesn't really tell people to run. So it's only a handful of times that you'll ever see Scripture tell you to run. Besides this, I can only really think of one other time to be exact. The other time is Paul writing again, and he says, flee or run from youthful lust. Yeah. That's, that's it. And then here, Paul is saying, all of these things that you're experiencing in Ephesus, and really read, if you have some time, uh, the beginning of this chapter, you'll see what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, all these things that you're seeing that the people who do not believe as you do, as they are following the ways of the culture, I need you to flee, to run from all of those things. And in fact, he gives them some things that he's telling Timothy, which I think is pretty good for us, that we should flee from. He says, listen, um, flee from envy. Flee from envy. Not only envy, he says flee from strife. Flee from unhealthy fighting. I had to sit there for a little bit. Unhealthy fighting. You know, that's, that's talking about, you know, you know people who just like drama. You know, where, where there's, there's an issue everywhere. They're just constantly drama wherever they find themselves. You almost want to say, like, can you go anywhere and actually have a good time? You know, do you always have to fight? Like, they're filled with this type of drama. Every time you talk with them, it's something else. And, and then he says there's malicious talk. Paul says, listen, here's what you'll experience in the world. You've got all these things. Run from these things. Flee from these things. The constant friction between people with a corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth, who think godliness is a means to prosperity. Paul says, flee away from those things. Sounds awfully familiar to today, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know the Bible is outdated, antiquated, was written by man, and some of these principles don't hold true. I'm just saying some of these things that Paul is speaking about today sound awfully familiar. Yeah. What this means for you and I is that as we are striving to become more like Jesus and to fight the good faith, it is the process that people and situations that you just have to avoid. You have to flee. This means that if there is envy and strife and unhealthy fighting and malicious talk, those things don't happen in a vacuum. Oftentimes, they are brought about to us or brought to us by people. 
So Paul is saying ultimately that if you are experiencing these things in your life, you have to flee from them, meaning there are just some people who can't be in your circle. Because if you are around them and you find that when you are around them, you are not able to be the best version of yourself, if when you're around them, maybe it is not envy or strife or unhealthy arguments or unhealthy fighting or malicious talk coming from you, but it seems to be around them, then perhaps you need to do a good job of separating yourself from them. I remember, I remember uh, man, talking to a guy just a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and I said, hey, I kind of don't want to be in the same space as this person. He asked me, well, what has he done? I said, I can't put my finger on exactly what he's done. The only thing I know is that what's around him seems to be these things. And for all the years that I've known him, I've always witnessed these behaviors, these things. I can't say that he's done anything directly. I'm just saying in his space, wherever he is, here is what I see each and every time. So I choose not to be in that space. That's a good word of wisdom for us, man. When people and you see that around them, these are the things, the negativity, some of the things that are around them, perhaps the gossip, the drama, things that are around them, those may not be your people. That may, may not be your tribe because if you are not allowed to be or you cannot be fully who God has called you to be in their presence, sometimes it's just best to distance yourself and leave them alone. Man, and I, I see the cogs turning in your heads as I'm talking, right? And you're trying to figure out, man, who is that that I need to leave alone? You're trying to figure out who that person is and you're wondering, here's what you can do real quick and we'll move on. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, do you know who that person is? I was just playing. Y'all wasn't really supposed to do that because uh, I, I was really afraid your neighbor was going to say it's you. It was you. I just, I didn't want, I didn't really want y'all to do that. Y'all, y'all rarely ever do what I told y'all to do. That's, that's kind of weird. I, I feel different now. Um, check this out. Paul, Paul, Paul then says that instead of pursuing those things, the envy, the strife, the unhealthy fighting, and the malicious talk, he says, here are the things that you need to do, the route that you need to run in order to fight the good fight, to avoid that drama. He said, instead of running towards those things, run to these things, righteousness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And I love it because as he's talking about those, those things, he says, he says, pursue righteousness, love, faith, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue. And so I was trying to find the, the perfect image of it, but I, I couldn't. But, you know, um, this is for everybody thir 30 and up. All right. I'm speaking of 30 and up here. Maybe I don't, I don't know if under 30 y'all get it. But y'all remember, remember um, the Roadrunner and, and the Coyote? and Wiley Coyote, and you remember that the entire cartoon was simply Coyote, Wiley Coyote pursuing, road, 30 and up right here, right? Yeah, pursuing the road runner, right? And, and his, his, his daily job was to do nothing in pursuit, and there were often times where he'd get pretty close, and the image that you'll find is him just reaching, and he thinks that he's there, and he's just, he just never quite, quite made it. Here's, here's what Paul is saying. The, the journey of a Christian is almost like Wiley Coyote pursuing the roadrunner. You, you may not fully ever get to the space where you completely embody the righteousness, the faith, the love, the endurance, and gentleness, but he wants you to pursue it. Just keep reaching. Keep stretching your hand out. Keep 
pursuing it, fight for it, because eventually there will come a time where you may not be all the way there, but you'll be much better than where you were. Matter of fact, my uncle used to sing a song, my uncle that we just buried a few months back. I used to love this song. He said, I'm not what I'm ought to be, but I'm better than what I used to be. Thanks be to God, because I'm getting better all the time. That's what sanctification is about. It's about the fact, the reality that we wake up each and every day just trying to get better. And that betterness that we are trying to be and become doesn't come by our own strength. It comes by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And rather than us coming and keeping up our list of things here today, I'm not going to cuss today. Today, I, I didn't pray that today, by the way. I didn't cuss today. And today, I'm not going to smoke today. And today, I'm going to be nice to my neighbor and today I'm not going to ignore this person. Rather than having our checklist of things to do, what we've got to do is say, Lord, today I just want to be better than I was yesterday. Yeah, Lord, today I want to have joy at the end of my day. Today I don't want to be tired because I've allowed people to exhaust me. Today, Lord, I just need you to help me to be what I cannot be by myself. Help me, God. Help my unbelief. Help me where I'm weak because where I am weak, Lord, you promise, there you will be strong. Paul, Paul, Paul saying, man, he's saying, pursue these things. Righteousness. Which, man, we learn righteousness is, uh, is, is a synonym biblically for justice. Pursue justice in our world. Pursue love. Not love in the, 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 the verbal sense of it, but that agape love. That love that is unconditional and unexplainable as we just got finished seeking, singing. And he says, endurance, man. You need, we need just a little stick to in our life, man. Just, just, man, just see it through. And Paul says, man, it can be challenging because when you, when you don't quite get there and you struggle and you're striving to get there in the pursuit of it, what you've got to do is remember when you can't seem to get a hold of things, remember who's got a hold of you. He's holding you keeping you up. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Paul tells us then to fight the good fight of faith. I like that line, man. Fight the good fight of faith, man. The imagery, Paul, he's always known for using athletic, athletic events when he's teaching. And so the imagery here is like that of a boxer or a wrestling contest. And it's a constant struggle, right, in those competitions, you know? And, uh, and what he does, he says he, he's comparing the life of a Christian to the tussle of the competition of a boxer or a wrestler. And he says that, you know, when you think about it, that a boxer or a wrestler, they fight ultimately to win the prize or the award so that they can be deemed the champion, competing for the medals and the trophies. But that's their why, right? Their why exists in winning the award, the championship, to be known as a victor. When Paul is speaking to us, he is not speaking to us so that we can be the victor to win an award or a medal. That's not the goal. That's not our why. The why of the boxer or the wrestler is I want to be known as the best of the best. 
Our why isn't being known as the best of the best. It is being known as a child of God. What does that mean for us? As Paul is speaking to Timothy, as we're talking about spiritual growth, here's where we get caught up. We get caught up in the how and the what. What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? And how do I get there? That's, that's where we get caught up. And sometimes we can run ourselves into a circle of pain and frustration trying to figure out the what and the how. That's not where our focus should lie. Our focus ought to lie not on the how and the what, but on the why. Because if you know your why, then your why will tell you what your what is. And your why will also inform your how. But you've got to focus on your why. For us, fighting the good fight, knowing our why, simply has to be knowing that we have been shaped and created in the image of God. And we are his servants. We are his children. We have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That why, that's the most important question. Know your why. That the Lord is your light and your salvation. That you have nothing to be afraid of. The Lord is the light and the strength of your life. You have nothing to be afraid. You can be your full self. As Joy mentioned earlier on the stage, you don't have to be afraid of letting go, of letting God fully and completely use you. No, that is why you have been created. So I hear your question. I hear your question. Well, why, why should I? I'm glad you asked. Paul answers that. In the very beginning of verse 11, listen, he says, but you, woman of God, man of God, your why is rooted in the reality that you are a child of God, a child of the king. I thought about this. Um, it's an old, old preacher's story, man. Y'all know I love my old preacher's stories. And uh, he tells the story of a man walking through the forest, and when he's there, he, he finds a baby eagle on the ground. And so he, he gathers the baby eagle up and he takes the eagle home to his farm. And on his farm, he doesn't have eagles there, of course, but he has a bunch of chickens. And so he takes the baby eagle and he just simply puts the chicken, with, it's a bird, so he puts the, the eagle with the chickens and the, chick, the eagle soon assimilates into the life of a chicken. The eagle becomes a baby chicken for some reason and that becomes his existence. But one day a naturalist comes by to his farm, he visits, and he notices that in the midst of his chickens, he's got a beautiful eagle there. And he says to the farmer, he says, why on earth do you have an eagle acting like a chicken? The man says, listen, I mean, I brought it home, and he seemed to be pretty happy just being a chicken. The naturalist says, no, he's not happy being a chicken. He's an eagle. He just doesn't know that he's an eagle. And when he finds out that he's an eagle, his life will be much more fulfilling. So the natural says, I'll take care of it. He grabs the baby eagle and he, he stands in the middle of the farm and he says to the eagle, you are not a chicken, you are an eagle. Now fly and be an eagle. And so he tosses the eagle in the air and the eagle just simply falls to the ground and runs right back to where the rest of the chickens are. The man says, it's not over. He grabs the eagle once more. This time he goes to the top of the barn, and he says to the eagle, he says, you are not a chicken. You are an eagle. Now fly and be an eagle. And the eagle fell to the ground once more, went right back to the barn with the rest of the chickens. The next says, I, I, I've got it for him. This time, rather than going to the middle of the field or going to the top of the barn, the man goes to the highest mountain that he could find. And as he stood on top of the highest mount that he could find, the sun began to rise. And he noticed that he's holding the eagle. The eagle just stared at the glory of the sun. 
He recognized how powerful the son is. And so he then turned the eagle and he looked at him again. He says, you are not a chicken. You are an eagle. Now fly and be an eagle the way that you were created. And this time he grabbed the eagle with both hands and he tossed the eagle off the high mountain. And the eagle began to descend quickly. But the man noticed as the eagle was descending, the eagle once more turned and he saw the sun. And pretty soon he began to flap his wings and gained enough wind and enough strength to fly away. And he noticed that he's flying away from the farm. He looked back and saw the farm in his distance, but the eagle never turned around because the eagle, although it was a scary existence, a scary start, recognized that's where he ultimately was supposed to be. The point that I'm making and the point that Paul is trying to teach Timothy is that many of us have been living like chickens and we are called to be eagles. You are called to fly and be more and be better, bigger than where you are. And it's okay sometimes you have to reflect. Sometimes where we come from has made a big impression on where we are today, but you cannot remain there. Sometimes you got to let the chickens be with the chickens, but if God called you to be an eagle, you got to let those chickens be where they are and go to where God has calling you. you got to be bigger than that. And so the man sees this and the eagle does so. And then in verse 12, Paul says this. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And this passage here, man, is really speaking to the salvation that we spoke to about a couple of weeks ago. That it's more than about a future hope, but a present reality. And that present reality has power enough to move the mountains. So Paul is speaking that since the time that you made your confession, that there have been things that have been vying for your attention, things that have been trying to distance and pull you away from God and what God called you to be. The image is like being tugged to and fro by something, by, by different sides trying to keep you away from God, and that the struggle is about withstanding the pressure and getting a grip on what you believe. Now, in order to do so, the reality is what we've got to do is we got to further and further dig our feet into who we believe God has called for us. That's what Paul means when he's saying, fight the good fight. It is really an act of spiritual warfare, digging your feet in, believing what God is calling you to, and stop allowing the world to pull you side by side. That's, that's spiritual warfare in that sense. We, we, when we think about spiritual warfare, we think of the exorcist, and, and we think that it's all about exercising demons and those things. And that can't have something to do with it, but the daily spiritual warfare that we experience is the fact that there are various spirits vying to distance us from God. There are things that are trying to keep us and distract us from being within his presence. Paul is warning Timothy to flee from all of this and to be careful. Don't get caught up and don't be deceived. In verse 13, he says, so in the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I really like that. It's, it's getting gooder as Paul is speaking. Paul saying, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything, this brings more power to us. And his charge to Timothy is not so about this threatening big eye in the sky, 
but for Timothy to remember who is with them, the one who gives life to everything. Therefore, with everything that we do, remember that we are doing it for an audience of one. But to make his point even stronger, Paul reminds Timothy of Jesus who stood before Pontius Pilate and death facing him and he testified truthfully about himself. Paul says, I charge you of this until the day the Lord returns. What does that mean? Basically, until the Lord returns, you're going to be on the battlefield for the Lord and in doing so, it's going to take everything that you've got to maintain your sanity, to try to continue to be encouraged, to hold on to what you believe, to recover from disappointment and failure, to fight the disappointment, to run from temptation, to fight past and push past the pain that you experience, to deal with the heartbreak that you feel, to let go of the loved ones who are holding you back. Jesus even said to himself, he says, don't suppose that I've come to bring peace, but I've come to turn a man against his father and a daughter against his mother. What Paul, what Jesus is teaching is that in this world, he even says this, you will have trouble, but never fear because I have overcome the world. And then verse 15, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and the only ruler, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in the unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and might forever. I, I like it when they close their, their thoughts with that, especially Paul. I, I call those moments God flexes. Because check this out, Paul, Paul, Paul begins by, by, by telling Timothy, here are the things that you're going to face in life. And here are the struggles that you're going to endure. And here are the battles that you have to overcome. And he lays it out. And as we read it, oftentimes it seems like it's more than what we can handle. And so Paul then ends it by declaring how great God is. I call that a God flex. Sometimes when things seem too big and too much for us to handle, in order for us to recognize that that weight isn't on us, we need to flex our God on our problems. Let our issues, let the things that seem too much for us, let them know how great God is. Because what happens, usually we spend an enormous amount of time professing how big the problem is or how heavy the load is. And when you do that, you're working or fighting against yourself. The next time you find a moment when you feel like it is too much for you, rather than reflecting on how big your problem is, reflect on how great God is. Paul says, listen, I know that it's hard, but listen, we're talking about God. He says he's the blessed and the only ruler, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable life, who no one can, has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Paul says, it seems enormous, it's hard, spiritual growth is a lot for us, but remember who your God is. Remember who your God is. I'm close with this, man. We'll be ready to go from here. I, uh, I read about in, um, in, in Greenland, um, if you go up there, you'll see that there, there, are, there are tons of icebergs all around. And, and you have some that are enormous and gigantic and some that are pretty tiny and small. And, and if you observe them carefully, you'll notice that um, sometimes the small ice flows in one direction and the massive ones flow in another. The explanation is pretty simple, and I read it and watched some videos. It's pretty good. The, the little ones are controlled by that which is on the surface. They allow the surface, the superficial things, to control its direction. The, the wind, 
which is a surface, superficial things, but, but the huge ones, they, they are carried about by the deep ocean currents. They allow something more substantial, substantive to carry it to the direction in which it's going. The little ones are controlled by the movement of the wind. Every breeze, every changing moment changes and influences their direction. But the ones that are bigger, which are much more grounded, have a greater foundation. Because if you know anything about an iceberg, the, the, the mass of it is not on top, it's on the bottom. And they don't worry about what happens on the surface. They're controlled by something that much, that's much deeper on the inside of them. And that's where they move, by that which is deeper on the inside of them. This is what Paul is ultimately encouraging Timothy about. Paul is encouraging Timothy to not be swayed by surface conversations. Don't be swayed by the media. Don't be swayed by politicians. Don't be swayed by the things that you see. Don't be swayed by how fickle humanity is. Don't be swayed by some of the, some of the superficial things within our culture. Rather, find your foundation in something greater. And when you do, it doesn't matter how superficial or how the wind blows in culture, that you don't have to submit yourself to that. You submit yourself to something that is much deeper, much greater, much more meaningful in your life. And those things will determine your growth and your existence upon this life. That's, that's the root of spiritual growth and sanctification. It's about fighting this good fight, this daily journey. By not being persuaded, not being swayed by the things that we see within culture, but remembering, remembering who you're connected to, remembering what God spoke and who Jesus is and what he taught us and how we ought to live. Amen? Amen. I'm going to have our counselors come forward and um, we're going to pray. Pray with me. Eternal God, our Father, we, we pray that ultimately you are glorified. So strengthen us now, Lord. Holy Spirit, strengthen us so that we, we are not swayed or moved by the superficial things, Lord, that try to distance us from you. God, help us to see you and experience you more. Strengthen us in those areas, Lord, where we are weakened. And Lord, as we, on this journey towards growth, first, God, let it be your will and not ours. God, stretch us and make us uncomfortable. But God, endow us with your spirit, your wisdom. And make us strong, Lord, where we are fearful. That we remember that ultimately we are your children. And God, you are in control. Now, Lord, I pray for my sister, my brother who is here today who may just need a little more encouraging to take this next step towards faith. God, please don't, don't allow the enemy, Lord, to speak deceiving messages in their ear. God, help them to hear you. 
and help them to take the first step towards the greatest decision they can ever make and will ever make in their lives. These things we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, our counselors are up here up for you and also in the rear. If you need prayer uh, for anything, they're there for you. Maybe you've yet to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, they cannot save you. They just want to pray with you and, uh, and talk with you about how we begin to actualize that and how you live that out. And so well, can we all stand? And um, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that there's somebody in here, you can't even pinpoint what it is. You don't know where you are, and you don't know what the next steps are. You're trying to figure it out, and today isn't the first day that you've been trying to figure it out. This has been a, quite a bit of a process for you, so I don't, I don't know who you are, but today... I just, I want you to make that profession, so can I get somebody to go stand in the middle of the aisle for me? One of the counselors, please. So I, I want to close the distance for you, maybe. I don't know where you are, but these counselors are here for you. If that's you, don't worry about people looking at you. Don't worry about what people are thinking, man. They're going to be happy and celebrate with you. But before we go today... I just want to make sure that we pray with you for this next step. So whoever you are, we're going to sing collectively so that you don't feel like every eye is on you. And um, we've got Angel in the middle. We've got Cat here. We've got Matt there, Stephanie there, Joshua in the back. If going to the back makes you feel more comfortable, that's fine. But let us sing together collectively, family. And whoever you are, multiple persons even, if that is you, let's take that step. together brothers and sisters come on who are you for whatever reason it may be
time for you. Yes, we're a little long for, for us, but I feel like there's one more thing that I have to say. Um, well, maybe, maybe you're tired of just enough. Like it's just it's just enough. I'm tired of giving God just enough, but I don't have I don't have the wherewithal to give Him more. I don't know how to give Him more. Um, we're we're going to close in prayer. But I'm going to ask if my counsel, if you could just remain in place. And, um, and we just want to give you a moment to, to do that. I, I don't know about you, but I, I entered 2019 saying, God, I think that you require more of me. And I want to give you that more of me. And I feel like there's somebody who's still supposed to be moving. That God is still speaking to you. That God wants more. You know that he wants more. And I don't know what's keeping you. I don't want to shame you. But I, I don't want you to leave without you saying, God, I'm making myself available. So they're going to be here. They're going to be here for you. Please stay. I'll, I'll be here. Please stay and say, I don't know, I don't know what you say. Just please, please don't leave today without, without I, I feel you, your spirit calling. And I don't want you to leave without taking that step. So I'm going to go ahead and close it. Is it okay? All right, receive this benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Let our good children say amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you later this week. Whoever you are, if that's you, please, please stay behind.